Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Radio Joe with you here. And of course, Pasadena at the Rose Bowl recapping Badgers losing 28-27. And you're going to have to, I apologize if there's an echo in here. Um, I'm doing this in a hallway, and hopefully I'm not offending my fellow media brethren who are actually down in the press box getting some work done. Uh, Otherwise, if they're walking through here, I'm just talking to myself. But no, just going through this game, look, guys, this was very frustrating. You know, for me as a fan, as a Badger fan, it's been following the Badgers my entire life, being on that field at the end and seeing Oregon celebrate – it, it, the big thought that went through my mind was, here we go again. What a great way to start 2020 with another Wisconsin sports team not being able to close it out in a big game. I mean, it's just, it, what else is new, right? I mean, what else is new? Uh, it, it, it definitely hurt. But if you really think about it, the Badgers did trip on themselves. They really did. Because if you go through the box score, if you go through – what the Badgers did today from an offensive standpoint and a defensive standpoint, they clearly, clearly were the better team. If you take away the nine penalties, 79 yards that came out of that, if you take away the four turnovers, including an ugly pick from Jack Cohen, two fumbles, one of which from Jonathan Taylor and then from Danny Davis later in the game, and that drop punt from Anthony Lottie that set up that touchdown, you would have looked at this and said that this Wisconsin Badger team would have blown Oregon out. I mean, Oregon scored 21 of their 28 points off those turnovers in that game. You can't have it. There was a costly, when the the Badgers had a chance of keeping the drive going late in the game, there was a costly offensive pass interference on Danny Davis. Again, Danny Davis did not have the best of games today. Uh, But clearly, if you look at the replay, if you look at the contact, that was two guys just grabbing at each other. You can't – nothing has been completed at that point. And he gets called for the offensive pass interference. Paul Chris said after the game that, hey, I, I didn't get any explanation from this from the referees. So that was interesting as well. And it's just costly. It's costly because that set up a huge passing play to Jake Ferguson, which then got negated, which then led to a punt. And then Oregon was able to capitalize, and the Badger D wasn't able to stop him then. But, again, it was just too many errors. And, again, this from what we know about the Wisconsin Badgers this year, they do play just solid, fundamental football. They don't turn over the football as many times as they do. They don't have too many penalties. In fact, they averaged, going into this game, I think 4.6 penalties per game. That's not bad. Jason Urban had a really rough day on the offensive line. He had three of those penalties, a couple of false starts. I mean, you just can't have it. It just changes everything on a drive. It halts the momentum that you have. But again, if you look at the stats, just the stats, total yards, Badgers 322, Oregon 204. Passing yards, Badgers 186, passing yards for Oregon 138. Rush yards, you talk about holding C.J. Verdell in check. That was one of the guys coming in. Would he have another big game like he did against Utah? Well, you held C.J. Verdell 17 carries, 49 yards, that's it. 
the only place that you were beat was Justin Herbert, who actually did a lot of running today. I mean, all three of his touchdowns came in the form of running. And that's something Justin Herbert hasn't done much of this season, considering he is a very athletic quarterback. They've been wanting him in the pocket more. So I think that was probably something that they wanted to scheme up, give the Badgers a look that they didn't have. And that was one of the things that the Badgers D struggled with. But beyond that, again, you're going through the box score and you're looking how the Badgers pretty much outbeat Oregon. Time of possession was the other big thing. 38 minutes the Badgers had the football in this game compared to just 22 for Oregon. I mean, huge. There was a point in that game from the second quarter into the third quarter where the Badgers nearly had the ball for about 15 minutes. Think about that for a sec. Justin Herbert, after they after they were able to score in the second quarter, it was like right around the three-minute mark. They did not. Herbert did not. I mean, technically, he got the football right before the half, but that doesn't count for anything. He didn't get that football again until about the three-minute mark in the third quarter because the Badgers had these long drives, and they were able to do a lot with it. Now, in between was that Lottie punt drop, which set up the touchdown. But beyond that, there was a point in this game where Wisconsin was in full control. I mean, full control. So you were able to keep Oregon and that offense off the field for that long. But it was worth, I mean, it was worth owning. You had Jack Cohen hitting Quintez Cephas for 11-yard touchdown. That gave him the lead right before half at 17-14. Then, of course, Lottie drops the ball in the third quarter. Then the Badgers piece together this really long drive, down 21-17, including a fourth down conversion. By the way, that was the other big positive in this game. The Wisconsin Badgers had four fourth down conversions. Four. And this is a team that's been doing that all season long. I mean, they're they're over, I believe they're over like 75% in fourth down conversions. Paul Chris has gambled a lot and it's paid off. They've been able to execute. I mean, the, if you guys remember too, there was the Badgers were inside the five yard line, and Mason Stocky clearly got the first down, which would have made it first and goal at the one. And instead, for whatever reason, they did not review it. The officials did not review it. I don't think there was an explanation there. Um, I mean, Chris Chris was pleading. I mean, he even called a timeout at that point. So that situation happened. Mason Stocky uh, then was able to take it in on fourth and one. That was another conversion, which gave the Badgers the 24-21 lead on a drive that went 11 plays, 65 yards, and took about seven minutes off the clock. The Badger D forced another punt. Then again, Badgers have another drive where they're going down the field. They convert again on a fourth and one. Jack Dunn with a jet sweep. But at, in the end, the Badgers aren't able to get a touchdown out of it. Colin Larsh ends up with the field goal. That made it 27-21. And then again, you know, Oregon comes back out there for the first time in a long time, or actually the second time at that point, and Badgers D forces them into another punt until Danny Davis had that fumble, which gave him great field position, and then Herbert scores on the very next play for that 30-yard touchdown run. And that, and that was the turning point right there. The Badgers were in full control, and the Badger D did everything they could. You can't keep putting the Badgers defense back on the field, back on the field without much rest, and then expect them to try and hold Oregon when they have great field position. 
there's really nothing for me to be mad about in this game when it comes to the Badger defense. They just played out of their minds. There was pressure all around today. Again, like I said, stopping C.J. Verdell, that was the that was the first big thing. Um, but then Justin Herbert, too, I mean, yeah, he had three touchdowns on the ground, but he had a lot of throws, a lot of errant throws. He was throwing some bullets, but he's throwing them too high at his receivers. And, again, the Badgers were pressuring all over the place. Noah Burks was involved in a lot of that today. Um, Dante Burton had a huge moment for him in his young career um, with a corner blitz sack, uh, which really um, helped the Badgers. Again, that, that forced another punt in the fourth quarter. You really could have put them away at that point. Again, if not for that da- Danny Davis fumble, the Badgers had a, they were just starting to piece together a drive too at that point. Jonathan Taylor had that 18 yard run up the gut. Um, it, it just it, it just sickens me. I mean, it, it, again, for me as a fan, it just does sicken me because this did feel like one of those joke jobs from the Badgers. So you look ahead and. Obviously, you're going to lose some more players here, and you know this is something we'll be talking about a lot in the coming weeks. But uh, you know you're going to lose a leader in Chris Orr, who had another good game today, and you know has been one of the vocal leaders of this defense. The other guy you're planning on losing is Jonathan Taylor, and Jonathan Taylor. I'm not sure if maybe a loss like this goes in the back of his mind, where it's like, you know what? Maybe maybe I should come back because the one thing we know about Jonathan Taylor is he is a team player and he's a super humble kid and he's not about himself. If he was about himself, Jonathan Taylor could have just sat out of the Rose Bowl and protected his draft stock and he didn't. He came out there and played very hard today. I just wonder if a game like this does anything for him to say, you know what, I just want to go back and do this again for my brothers. Probably not. I think you could put money on it and say that Jonathan Taylor will enter the NFL draft, especially since running backs um, need to get in and get paid as soon as they can because they, they they don't last long in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor knows that. But I just wonder, would this game in any way give Jonathan Taylor second thoughts about coming back? Not to mention, I mean, he's on the verge of breaking the all-time rushing record in college football history. I mean, let's think about that. The fact that this kid has over 6,000 rush yards in his first three seasons is incredible. It, I mean, it, this is one of the best players now to ever come through the University of Wisconsin and really best one of the best running backs of all time in college football. I mean, that, that <laughs> you can't ask for anything better than that. And if he does leave, I have no idea who's going to fill that void. You know, could it be a Nakia Watson? Don't know. Haven't seen a whole lot from him. Haven't seen promising things from him. Badgers will have to find someone and try to establish an identity in the run game if you lose Jonathan Taylor, but who knows? Who knows? So again, the Badgers fall 28-27 to the Oregon Ducks in the Rose Bowl. Radio Joe with you. Thanks for listening to the Pasadena post-game podcast here on Fan On Demand, 1057fmthefan.com. So the other big thing is, you know, I've been getting it on social media, and you guys can follow me on Twitter at Radio Joe Sports. I've been getting this all week uh, leading up to this game is, you know, who cares about the Rose Bowl? Got guys tweeting me left, left and right. Joe, who cares about the Rose Bowl? I'm not going to be watching. It's just another game. It's not college football playoffs, so why should I care? I got that all week. 
a lot of people don't care about the Rose Bowl. Well, clearly 90,000 people cared today. 90,000 people were there from start to finish. 90,000 people were there early, tailgating, showing their pride. I mean, from what I understood, even right before the game started, people were still in long lines just trying to get in. I saw some complaints about that on Twitter. People care about the Rose Bowl. In fact, looking at the fan base today, about 65% were Badger fans, which was really good to see. As we all know, Wisconsin fans travel really well. I know they didn't travel well for the Big Ten championship game, but right, but I kind of understood. We all knew what the outcome was. But for this game, people were saving up their money, and they wanted to go because they know all the history that's behind this game. And, yeah, if your expectations for the Wisconsin Badgers are college football playoff and you have that bar that high, well, then this is – then you don't want to watch the Rose Bowl, and that's fine. But I think for a lot of other people that have kind of accepted what Paul Christ has done for this football program, the Rose Bowl does mean something. And being there today, I got there I got there like four hours early. I wanted to make sure I took this in as much as I could. I got down on the field. I walked around the field. I uh, took a bunch of pictures, and you guys can check out all the pictures um, on our Instagram page at 105.7 FM, the fan. You can also follow me on Instagram at Radio Joe Sports. I will have to uh, accept your request, though, but that's okay. I'll accept it. Uh, and it's also at uh, Facebook.com/slash/1057FM, the fan, and on Twitter at 1057FM, the fan. I was I was posting like crazy today. Every time I took a bunch of pictures, went right to my phone, posted it to share it with you guys. It really was what I expected. The Rose Bowl is one of those games that has to be on your bucket list. At some point in your life, you have to come out here because the mystique of it, it's still there. You know, first of all, with the Rose Bowl, they could have easily have done what they've done to many historic stadiums across the country, including Lambeau Field. I mean, think about Lambeau Field. That just used to be a bowl. And then you built around all these luxury boxes. You updated the press box. And now all of a sudden, Lambeau Field, I mean, Lambeau Field's a legit stadium. And it's still, Lambeau Field still has that mystique, but it's not the original thing. The Rose Bowl is the original thing, and it's the original game. And I felt like all of that was the case. It was kind of like, you know, the Disney World of Sports. It had all of that today. And I think there's a big reason why they don't want to add on all of it. I mean, hell, think about this. You got 90,000 fans into a bowl. But it was just so cool to see it all. It was so cool to see the national anthem and the stealth bomber that flew over overhand. That was really cool. Um, you know, I'm a big one of my uh, obsessions these days is palm trees. I love palm trees. You know, if you follow me on Instagram, I... I, I, t I post all these different palm collages, you know, all these wild growing palm trees that are all around the Rose Bowl. That was really cool. Um, you know, I, I forgot, too, when I was when I came here the previous day just to walk around the stadium and see what there was. I forgot that, you know, the U.S. women's soccer team had their big epic win here. Um, you know, where Brandy Chastain had had that moment where she's on her knees and she rips off the jersey. And I forgot that that happened here at the Rose Bowl. 
Uh, so it was just there's just so many cool things about this place. It it met all of my expectations. Um, the media staff here, the PR department, everyone was very nice, very friendly. They took great care of us. Um, but again, th there was a lot of fans that came out and they gave crap about this game and they were into this game. And it is just so unfortunate that the Badgers did play a good game today. If you take away the turnovers, if you take away the penalties, this Badgers team, they, they, they dominated Oregon. But when you give Oregon all those extra outs, you give them all those extra opportunities, you give them all that extra field position, it changes everything. And that's what happened in this game. And again, four turnovers resulted in 21 points for the Ducks. You can't have it. And that's why you lost. That is the reason why you lost in this game. It will be interesting. I mean, it, it really will be interesting for the Wisconsin going forward. And, you know, I, I think the future is still very bright for this football program. There's going to be a lot of returning players. But I think the first question is you got to know where Jonathan Taylor stands. He's got time to think about it. And I guess in some ways, would it surprise me if he decided to come back? Maybe just a little bit. But, again, I, I think maybe a game like this gives him some second thoughts. I think at the end of the day, though, he is in the NFL, and he's either a first or second round draft pick. I mean, he's this is I don't think anyone expected Jonathan Taylor when he first started at Wisconsin as a as a true freshman. I don't think anyone expected him to be this, and he has been a very special player. He's been a special uh, player to cover, um, you know, doing this now for five years. So, you know, we, saw, we shall see. We shall see. Again, um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Radio Joe Sports. Also follow us at 105.7 FM, The Fan, um, where all of our Rose Bowl coverage is, where you can find it. Again, Facebook.com slash 105.7 FM, The Fan, uh, and on Instagram at 105.7 FM, The Fan. Everything is there for your consumption, all the cool stuff, all the sites, sounds, all of it is there. So now I have a special guest up here in the press box for the Pasadena postgame podcast from Rivals.com. And you hear him a lot on the fan. I mean, a lot. He is Ben Wargle. Ben, how are you? You, know, you're, you spend New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl, win, lose, or draw. Not a bad gig that we have. This is one of those days where you have to kind of count your blessings and just be happy you get to do something fun once in a while in your job. So you're pretty good. Well, despite how this game went, the experience itself, you can't take away anything from it. But I will ask you, Ben, your initial thoughts on this loss because I think as a Badger fan, and again, I'm going to take away media Joe for a second. This is Badger fan Joe. You you can you can stay media Ben. That's fine. But, but, but for me as a Badger fan, it hurts because – None of these Wisconsin teams want to do anything right. You know, all these Wisconsin teams fall short. And tonight was one of those situations where you could look at the box score and say that the Badgers clearly were the better team. But it seems like they tripped up on themselves, that they kind of choked. This, I think, for Badger fans who have now, some of who have come out here for four straight losses here, this is probably the most painful one of the four uh, because of what happened here. You look at where Wisconsin dominated time of possession. They had the ball for over 16 minutes. They hold Oregon to a season low in yards by 
I think like 150 some yards. Uh, Oregon just finished with 204 in total yards. Wisconsin was able to just control aspects of the game. And you know, it wasn't you know, clean by any sense. It's not like Wisconsin marched up and down the field. I mean, Oregon pressed them in different ways. But the turnovers just absolutely killed this team. Um, you know, they erased early Jack Cohn's interception. I thought that was a big turning point in the game for Wisconsin, that Oregon could have sold for three. They got, they wanted to gamble, and Wisconsin turned them away. But then the last three all fumbles, and Wisconsin has fumbled more than any other FBS team in the country this year. That, those were their 15th, 16th, and 17th lost fumble this season. And just ill-timed uh, plays. And let, let me uh, re- reverse myself. The, Jack Cohn, the, the Jonathan Taylor fumble was uh, where Wisconsin held them out. But then Jack Cohn comes back right away with the interception, and then three plays later, Oregon's in the end zone. Apologize. But then the two fumbles in the second half, where Wisconsin just, you felt, was starting to get some momentum. You know, they just scored before halftime. You finally get some good vibes offensively. And then Jack Cohn underthrows a deep pass to Kendrick Pryor that could have gone for a touchdown. And then Anthony Lye just inexplicably drops a punt that is returned 31 yards. And then you go, oh, man. But then Wisconsin comes right back. And that's the thing that, that stood out to me, too, was the resiliency of Wisconsin, where Oregon scores off three of the four turnovers, and Wisconsin each time comes back and, and does something and takes the lead right back. But they needed to do it one more time because that Danny Davis fumble. You know, we always kind of like to play armchair quarterback a little bit. And I thought Paul had some calls on fourth and short that were gutsy. And if they didn't work, you can be doing a whole – sidebar podcast piece on those calls and why they went away from their strength i thought maybe you you went away from your strength a little bit because jonathan Taylor was just starting to catch fire a little bit had that 18 yard run when they're backed up and you can you can tell that maybe oregon's getting worn down a little bit i to give danny davis his second carry of the game there you just have to kind of wonder was that the right call was that the right decision it obviously was not the right decision because of what happened. And then one play later, a 30-yard scramble for Justin Herbert, and Wisconsin never got the lead back. It kind of reminds me a little bit of what happened here 26 years ago when Wisconsin beat UCLA, and UCLA had 500 yards of offense, outgained Wisconsin, but UCLA had five lost fumbles in the game, and that's how Wisconsin won their first Rose Bowl. Now, the, now you know, two and a half decades later, that, that script has been flipped. History repeating itself in a different way. It's I went Ben Wargle, Rivals.com. Yeah, I, I just – the fact that the Badgers went four for five on fourth downs, technically it was four for four on fourth downs because that, that missed one was the Lottie situation, right? Mm-hmm. That was – yeah, so that was the Lottie situation. So otherwise, you went for it four times on fourth down. You were able to convert. That was impressive. This Badgers defense just – I mean, you you couldn't ask for anything more out of them. I mean, what do you what do you expect when you have these turnovers and now all of a sudden Oregon has great field position? There's only so much that defense can do. But I thought the D, I thought the Badger D today was just outstanding. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, the defense allowed 21 points and 14 of those come on a short field. And what impressed me was you know you watch the opening drive where. Uh, Oregon goes up tempo, and you could tell Wisconsin was having trouble, you know, substituting, giving whatever in line. That the Ducks were able to kind of, you know, exploit them because they have so many different weapons. Oregon does that they were able to get Wisconsin off their edges, and they just marched right down the field and scored. You know, 
was it 12 12 plays 75 yards Oregon didn't get their next 75 yards until midway through the fourth quarter when Herbert scrambled on that 30-yard touchdown. It speaks volumes of the adjustments that Jim Leonard made, the timeliness of Wisconsin, some big plays. You know, I thought Jack Sanborn's interception was huge. Um, that's another thing we could talk about, how Wisconsin had great field position a couple times and couldn't convert touchdowns either sell for field goals in a one-point game. That obviously comes up huge. Uh, but I thought the linebacking play was, was excellent. I thought that the way that they uh, neutralized uh, C.J. Verdell was outstanding. I thought the way that they pressured Oregon was going to be huge in this game. Oregon, despite all their accolades, had not faced a team that was top 50 in sacks on the season. Wisconsin's fifth nationally. And now and they only sacked him twice, but I thought that they pressured Herbert. They forced him to uh, make some decisions quicker than he probably would have wanted to. And I thought that Oregon, their explosive offense was very – uh, one note for a lot of the game, and that's a credit to what Wisconsin did. And you just have to feel terrible for those guys that they had such a great, really three and three quarters of a game, and yet it wasn't enough because the offense simply just could not hang on to the ball in those critical situations. All right, last thing for you. Again, talking with Ben Warble, Rivals.com. Jonathan Taylor, does this game in any way Give him maybe some second thought, or are you putting all your money? I know you're going to Vegas. By the way, this man has to drive from L.A. tonight to Vegas to fly out, and I think he'll have some time to bet. So if you're if you're going, okay, if you're going to Caesars, I'm checking the futures. I'm checking the futures with these guys. Um, you know, I think Biadish is going to leave, and he should leave because uh, I think him winning the Remington this year and him being, I think. He, I saw last year he was a projected first-round pick, and he decided to come back. He has done nothing to prevent his stock uh, from from climbing. I think he will be a first-round pick, and so he should go, and I think he will go. Taylor, what more does Jonathan Taylor have to prove, really? He's broken every record for a college running back through three years. The only way I see him returning is if he thinks that next year's team is going to be really good, and they have the potential to be. There's a lot of pieces returning next year. Um, there's a, a, a lot of games on the schedule that will benefit Wisconsin, you know, at Michigan, Notre Dame, at Lambeau, uh, some tough road games um, that was that will help Wisconsin, I think, nationally. And he's within an earshot of Ron Dane's record. I, didn't, I haven't added up the final numbers yet, but he's going to be like 1,000 yards away from breaking Ron's Big Ten record. And I know coming into this game, he was like 325 from – Donnell Pumphrey's official, I'm using air quotes there, NCAA record. And so well, he had 94 today, so 325 minus 94, do the math. You know, he's just like 200 yards away from becoming the NCAA's all-time leader. And he could get that week one against Indiana for all we know. But he doesn't the, – because the lifespan of NFL running backs is so short – I think he needs to strike while the iron's hot. He's won the Doak Walker two years in a row. He's led Wisconsin to um, you know two New Year's Six Bowl games. He's performed very well in a lot of games this year. I just don't think he has anything to prove by coming back. Um, you know, we saw what Monte Ball did coming back. You know, did it help him? You know, did it hurt him? Well, it, you know, was, I think the jury was kind of out with with Monte because he was going through some other things his his, his senior year, but. I think both those guys will leave. I think uh, Cole Van Lan was asked if he's going to go pro. I'd be surprised if Cole, Lan, Cole Van Lan went pro. And I, 
I think I'd be a little surprised if Quintus Cephas went pro. I, I think yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask yeah. you about Cephas. I think he's sticking around. I, I think he does too because the the thing that was telling to me about Cephas was that he has not filed his paperwork with the NFL Draft Advisory Board yet. And most juniors, for those that don't know, juniors can submit their name to a advisory committee who will then uh, evaluate different things and will give them a grade if you know first round, second day, third day, return to school kind of thing to kind of help guide them on on their decision the fact that Cephas hasn't done that yet kind of leads me to believe that he's already kind of made up his mind now he did have a great game today seven seven catches of his 12 targets 59 yards had a great athletic catch uh that was uh ruled incomplete that was you know he's had some phenomenal plays down the stretch here but I still think after him missing last year I think it would benefit him to come back uh, another year in the offense another year of tape um and I think that he has the potential to be a really good uh, player in, in the NFL. I just think I'd be surprised if he went. And so I think, but look at this way. You lose Taylor, we assume, and Bias, you assume. You're still going to return all your receivers who play in this game. You're going to return three-fifths of your offensive line. Um, you're going to have some good young offensive linemen and way in the wings. Kane Lyles, who didn't play in this game, can move around. Uh, Josh Sheltzner has started games. Uh, Tyler Beach has started games. You have some pretty good freshmen and Joe Tipman and Logan uh, Brown, who redshirted this year. Um, you have Jack Cohn, who I think had a good season. He had a, he had a decent bowl game. I don't think it was his best game, certainly. Um, you know, and you have that Graham Mertz kid waiting in the wings, too. So. Bad guy. Yeah, and you know, and defensively too, I think Wisconsin will be really solid defensively, uh, barring anything uh, bizarre. I mean, you return your entire defensive line, you re return uh, most of your secondary. Eric Burrell is going to graduate, but Scott Nelson should be coming back off injury. And while you have to replace Zach Bond and Chris Orr, Wisconsin has proven over the last couple of years that guys can go pro, and yet another someone else is going to step right in and play at an exceptionally high level. I mean, look at the lean, two lean tacklers today for Wisconsin: Jack Sanborn and Noah Burks. Yeah. And that just kind of goes to show you that this this defense is made uh, for really talented linebackers. So I I think Wisconsin can Wisconsin should open next year as the Big Ten West favorite. I don't know if they'll be the Big Ten favorite, uh, but certainly they will be a team that will could be in the position to uh, be in a New Year's Six Bowl again, or maybe even back here for a college football playoff semifinal. Badger fans, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. Good things. Right, ben just gave you a ton of optimism right there. It's gonna be okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that tomorrow the sun will rise over the San Gabriel Mountains that are hidden in the darkness right now. I bet you it will happen. It'll be fine. Um, if, well, there's one thing we've learned about Wisconsin is that they're they're a resilient bunch. We saw it in this game. They just made too many mistakes, um, and that's what happens in a one point game. Um, you know, it's this is something that I think just like those wins in the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl and the Pinstripe Bowl uh, gave the motivation coming into uh, the next season, I think that this loss will fuel them to, to get back here. Um, at some point, they will win this game again. Um, and unfortunately, it's just not going to be this year. I'd like to cover a winning Badger team at any kind of championship. I don't care what it is. So <laughs> <laughs> It's been a while for me too, my friend. I think it's 2006, men's hockey in Milwaukee. We, there's like Wisconsin fans have had to endure a lot, you know. We, I mean, we're not, we're gonna, we can't end this on a bad note, but I mean, you know, we, we talk about the Rose Bowl, basketball, um, yeah. Well, at least women's hockey's doing pretty good. Women's hockey's yes, on, they women's are. Hockey's on fire too, and so, and hey, I, I bet the I, I flew into Vegas. I bet the over, the over one. So, 
I have to go back and collect my bets. Make your money. <laughs> what What are you at Badger Nation still? You didn't change that, right? I can't. I'm not going to change that. You have to respect the roots a little bit. Yeah. I just it, it was just was my goal to have the triple crown of recovering Wisconsin from recruiting sites, and now I've achieved that life goal. So I'm I'm, I'm very blessed. Hashtag blessed here for the start of a new decade. Ben Wargle, Rivals.com. Check out all of his work there. Ben, thank you. We'll talk to you on the fan. Yes, he will. And this has been the Pasadena Post Game Podcast, Radio Joe's and Zola, here at the Rose Bowl. Thanks for listening. It's been a lot of fun. Again, better days will come, Badger fans. We'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.